Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. This whole year has been kind of an adventure for Reach. Uh, we turned 10 in September. We're going to have a, uh, a big celebration. I think it's on the 18th, which is a Sunday. Um, so mark your calendars. Be in town. You'll want to be here for that. Um, and I think, and I've said this a couple of times, that um, I think when you plan a church, you, you have an idea of what you want, but you really don't have a clue. It's like when you have a kid, you have an idea of what this kid is going to be like and what they're going to do. And you may have aspirations for them, but you really don't know. You, you really have no clue. And if you've had more than one kid, one kid you realize that none of them are the same. You get a different one every time. Like once you've perfected the art of managing this one child, you get another one that's completely different and you gotta change your game plan um completely. Um and one thing that I felt like God's done in Reach over the last few years is is trying to clarify who we are. And one of the things that I felt like God kinda laid on my heart in November of last year is is this phrase, um, Jesus is greater. And we've got shirts that are out, you may most of you that have been around here you know this because you've heard me beat this drum for the last um, seven months. But every one of our issues boils down to an area that Jesus isn't greater. And if we want to fix those issues, if we want to fix our life and um, really walk in the things that God has for us, we, we've got to get to that place that we live like Jesus is greater and it's difficult. Difficult. Knowing the truth and living in the truth is two different things. And we live in a world that every day is going to challenge you, is going to push you to like, is this really true? Is this really, is, is Jesus really greater when this thing happens and when this war breaks out or where this decision's made or this other thing? There's all of these things that we're like, I don't know. And we have to fight for. And so one of the things that we're doing here at Reach is um, all year... So far, I've been preaching on this idea of what does it look like? Because I can tell you Jesus is greater, and you can go, yes. And if you uh, have somewhat of an alignment towards the church and Jesus Christ, you'd be like, yes, he is greater. But acknowledging that something's great and not living like it's great is two different things. And so what we've been trying to do, what I've been trying to do through the word is get us into this place of like, how do we how do we live like that? Because... If I can get you to think that like that, eventually you'll begin to act like that. Because every one of our actions, if you didn't know that, comes from your noggin, from your heart. Like everything that you do started somewhere inside of you. And so if we can get into this place that we live like Jesus is greater, we will hopefully move into the direction that we'll live like he's greater. Because that's where life happens. That's where we get to see the power of who he is. So here, here we go. Um, you, whether you know this or not, were made to be known and be known by the Father. And to help us with this, he put us a, a hunger or a thirst inside of us that would only be satisfied by him. Everything you think, do, or say comes from this place of quenching this thirst. Where you are right now is a byproduct of that thirst. 
What you do when you leave this building will be motivated by that thirst. The problem of with this is that most of us are unaware that this is even happening. We're just letting thirst, and I'll explain if you're like, I'm drinking water right now, I'm not thirsty. I've been drinking a gallon of water a day and, man, that's not fun. But I'm still thirsty right now. Uh, The problem with most of us, we're not aware that it's even happening. uh, And we're just letting this thirst rule us without even thinking of what we're actually thirsty for. Today, Jesus is going to answer this in a conversation with the woman at the well. And uh, here's, here's my challenge. If you've been at church for a while, decades, a few years, um, a lot of New Testament sections, especially in the Gospels, you've probably heard. And, you, and some of us, now that I've said woman at the well, you've already heard, you're already listening to points from what you think I'm going to say and how you think I'm going to say it and what are, where I'm going with this. And I've already said thirsty, so you, kind of, you may even know. And I, I just challenge you to stop. <laughs> Because we do this with God. It, it, you know, God will begin to point something out. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We got it. We got it. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And we never let the Holy Spirit really do what he wants to do in us, which is bring something to our attention so that we do something with it. Knowing the ins and outs of a text um, without doing something with those information doesn't do anything for you. And so I have a lot of text today. I'm going to go through this whole section and paint a picture through this interaction that Jesus has with this woman at the well to talk about this idea. And my, my one thing in the sermon um, is that if you would only ask, he would give it to you. So that thirst that you have, which is motivating, everything, every dollar that you're spending, every action that you're doing is being pushed in this direction because of a thirst that you have inside of you and you're like why are these things happening in my life it's because you have a thirst inside of you that will only be fulfilled in one place and the problem is 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 that and and i'm going to talk about this later is that we'll have a little bit of jesus and we'll think oh we're good and we'll go like yeah 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 jesus is my yes yes but the rest of our life is not shaped by (laughs) jesus you know, we're, we, we say, yes, we're being led by him. Yes, we love him. Yes, he is what I desire. But our actions are showing that our desire is something completely different. So before I get into the word, I'm going to pray. Um, Jesus, I ask, I beg that you would mess with us this morning. That you would shake our lives, in a way of bringing things to our attention. Because our lives are not our own. We've been bought by a price, and we want to be led by you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would today, through the reading of your word, that you would expose thirst that we've placed in our lives and are being ruled by that aren't yours. And that you would bring us to a place of acknowledging them, bringing them before you, and laying them down. And 
asking you to do what we cannot do, to give us what we cannot provide for ourselves. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for this interaction of what it tells us, what links you're willing to go to speak to our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in John 4. I'm going to start in verse 4. We're going to go through verse 38. It's going to be on the screen uh, behind if you want to read along. If you've got your Bibles, which I encourage, I'm reading out of the ESV, but um, it should be similar to what you're reading on if you're not reading the ESV. So starting in verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob, that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well in about the sixth hour. Middle of the day, Jesus, wearied. And this is something I never really thought about. We just think, yes, they walked around everywhere, but what does walking around mean? It means you don't have enough money to have a horse or a wagon or a mule. Which is... Whatever, but Jesus walked everywhere, and we, we think, here, here's our king, our creator, and he, he just journeyed around with his people, and he was weary, so he sat down. And, and I go back to the he had to. So I'm going to try to give you a little idea, and this is, it'd be, you know, if you want to deep dive, you can go into this whole, I mean, this is from the beginning, or throughout the whole Old, Old Testament is this divide. So the short of who the Samaritans were and why the Jews didn't have anything to do with them is they believed that, or the Jews believed that they were like, they were the mongrels. They were the half-breeds. And I don't say that to be negative. They literally were. They were an area that got occupied by a foreign entity. They intermarried, which God had told his people, don't do that. Uh, and they became another people. So much so that they changed worship, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. They worshipped on a different place. Uh, one of the kings, if you've been reading in um, the one-year Bible, one of the kings knew that if we don't do something, they're going to, their hearts are going to be turned and they're going to go back to the temple, which will go back to Judah. We need to set up our own place of worship. And so they did that. And so a good Jew would not go anywhere near. They would go miles around to not even step foot into the area of the Samaritans. So much so that if they had interactions with them to touch them, to interact with them, to touch things that they touched, which is, we're going to talk about in a second, would make them unpure, especially a holy man. They would have nothing to do. They would, like a priest would go around, the Pharisees and Sadducees, which were the rulers of the Jewish people, would go around so they wouldn't defile themselves. And so uh, Jesus journeyed on foot, tired, sits by a well because he had to. And I I just want to... I just want you to know, like, um, if we want to talk about theology for just a second, um, I believe God's sovereign. I don't think Jesus was like, oh, you know, I don't want to walk an extra 20 miles a day. Let's go this way. I think Jesus had a plan. I think Jesus, I don't think, I know Jesus had this encounter planned he had to go this way and he didn't have this go this way because he had to be somewhere a little bit quicker and it would be beneficial he had to go this way for this specific moment verse 7 a woman from samaria came to draw water 
And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, which is very unusual. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They, they for sure, I mean, I don't know that you know how inappropriate this whole picture is. Because if we saw somebody at Walmart and you walk by and know that, you know, they're not husband and wife, but they're having a conversation, you wouldn't be like, <gasps> like, what are you doing? That's not your wife, Rod. It was inappropriate. It's so, so completely inappropriate in this culture to have a conversation with a woman with her husband not there. You would never, ever, ever have a conversation by yourself with a female. We look at through our cultural lens of like, yeah, he's just asking a lady for a drink of water. No. So not only is he breaking this racial um, barrier, but he's also he's breaking so many rules. And of course, Jesus didn't sense that they're not his rules. (laughs) They're other people's rules. And he's having this conversation and, and she understands that this shouldn't be happening. I imagine it through my lens that she's a little saucy with him. How is it you, a Jew? She may have spit on the ground. I don't know. Ask for a drink. And Jesus says at the beginning, like, I love that Jesus, and this is what I think the word does for us as we read it, Jesus make it pretty plain what he offers to us. At the beginning. That's what he's doing right here. Now, she didn't understand it. Verse 10, it says, Jesus answered here, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, That is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked and he would have given you living water. She's intrigued. Okay. But still a little saucy. Uh, Verse 11, it says, the woman said to her, sir, (laughs) you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water from? So she's looking at this man who's by himself sitting by the well. He has, I know when you got water this morning, it came out of a tap or filtered, whatever. But like back in the day, they had a well and they didn't have a pump on that well. Like, you know, we see in our olden days, they had a hole. And at the bottom of that hole was water. And to get water out of that, you had to have some type of bucket and some type of rope to get it out. So she's looking at Jesus going, How are you even going to get the water? Verse 11. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater, and listen to this word that she chooses to use, are you greater than our father Jacob? So this is the area. Jacob dug this well. This was, and, and she's calling him. She's not saying Jacob's well. She's saying our father, which is important. He gave us this well to drink from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. See, our father Jacob, worshiping God, was just one of the gods. It was just one of the things that they did. Like They're still connected to the people of God, but the connection is looser. Like It's like we, we do honor this piece of it. And this well... And this is probably why we choose other things to drink from. 
She says, this well has served generations. I have seen it and experienced it. This well that I come to every day, in which I failed to acknowledge that she's out there by herself in the middle of the day, which you don't do. Uh, there's lots of speculations why they, she did that. One of them is that um, she is not very liked by anybody else in town. And so she, uh, most of the women would go together because it's safer to do that. They would probably go earlier in the morning because it's not as hot. Um, but she's there by herself. She's alone at the well by herself. And she's seen day after day when she goes out there, puts her rope and bucket down there, she comes back up with water that she can physically drink. It sustains life. She knows, like, this is what works. And, and part of the issue with our thirst is that we'll go to other things, and in the moment, it seems like it's working. It seems like this is making me happy. It seems like this thing is, because I'm seeing it work. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. See, this is what the world offers. (laughs) This is our problem right now. Is that we've gone to something, or are going to something right now, And it satisfies an itch, a thirst, and then we leave it. And then a little bit later, we've got to go back to it again because we're still thirsty. Verse 14, it says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give, him will never thirst again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I do not... So I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. Here's another issue with the thirst as it relates to Jesus. At this point, she doesn't want the water that Jesus is offering. She wants her problem solved. I don't want to have to come out here. Give me this water um, set me up with a tap in my house so I don't have to come back out here, solve my problem in the way that I want it solved. See, the problem with most of our thirst is that we think that we know best. Uh, I'm 46 years old and I've lived long enough that I don't know anything. Man, I, I've tried to scratch itches. Like, I've tried, like, there's so many things that I've pursued. Still, even today, there's things in my life that I'm like, approval and some of these other things that I'm going to that well again and again. This is going to make me happy. And it doesn't. And I've learned in my 46 years of life that I cannot trust myself. Because tomorrow, there's a chance that I may look I may be sitting alone and going, you know what? I'm going to try this again. I mean, how many of us have done that? How many of us are like, we love Jesus. We're going to do this. We're in. We've committed. And tomorrow we're like, well, I'm not really sure about this one thing. We're very confident that Jesus asked us not to do or to do. We want it our way. She wanted a forever supply of the water that she already had. That's not what Jesus was offering. 
Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman addressed, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right, saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Oh, man. You know what, I just, in, in, in researching and studying for this, one, one thing that I've always made a speculation, and I'm not saying this isn't what happened. You know what word it doesn't say in there? That, but we're thinking it. I'm thinking it. Divorce. Like, we, we, we just naturally think, that, and most likely, yes, um, or maybe she's the black widow and she keeps killing him. I don't know. Or maybe they die. I don't know if you remember the conversation that Jesus was trying to be tricked by one of the Pharisees, and they were talking about the lineage. Well, what if one brother marries this woman and he dies, and this brother, whose wife will she be? Like, she literally could have had husbands that have died. We, we don't know. See, we, we just put on, this is what happened. Now, I, I don't know. That that's what happened. But in this culture, you wouldn't have this conversation. You wouldn't keep having this conversation without the husband present. And just, just so we know, when I, I say I believe God's sovereign, he, he wasn't fishing to see. He knew. And I think if, if, we'll, if, we'll, if we'll settle for this sovereignty idea, that God's in charge. God's moving things in the direction that he desires. Then we get to see a little bit of his intention in his heart for people. Like this wasn't an accident. Like he chose all this. He knew all of these things about her and still chose her to be. He's getting ready to lay a piece of information on her that he doesn't do. This is the first time that he does it, and he doesn't clearly do it, but one other time, I think at his crucifixion, which we'll get there in just a second. I love um, when Jesus steps in our mess. We get a little defensive, and she's getting ready to get defensive. She's getting ready to throw him off the case. She's getting ready to have conversations about how we worship. But verse 19, it says, the woman says to him, I perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah, this man speaks from heaven. He knows things that he should not know. I have never seen him before. And then she deflects, which we do. When Jesus gets in our mess, we deflect. And because we know, we know that there's something that needs to change. And we will, we will argue with him about something else. When he reinstalled Peter... He's having a conversation with him. Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die for him. And what does he do? He didn't go, glad to. He's like, what about that guy over there? What about John? You going to kill him too? Because you better kill him. I am not going down if you ain't going to take out that guy. The guy that writes books and says that the one that Jesus loved. We're, we're, we're trying to, in our own, deflect because we don't want to just do the thing that he's called us to do. And then she says in verse 20, it says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to go to worship. Major subject change. How about them braves? 
Verse 21. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Her having this wrong didn't eliminate her from the opportunity to get right with Jesus. And he, he doesn't he didn't go, well, you know, what you do isn't too bad. He's like, no, 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 salvation comes from here. But you're still missing the point. Worship isn't something that happens in a place. Worship is a, is a, a, a position of the heart. Verse 23, it says, <clears throat> But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The God, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Right worship is not about location or methods, but rather about the heart. And you cannot worship what you don't know. I think part of our issue with this thirst thing is we don't really want to know. Because if you know, you're accountable to it. If you know that you should, like, and I do this, I work out with a group, I know y'all know. Um, and, you know, like, we'll do a workout and they won't clarify, so I'll do it my way. Which isn't always right, but like, they didn't say that, so like, I don't want to clarify. So half the time, I, I do try to clarify, like, you know, is this a double count? Which just means instead of doing one, you have to do two of them every time. Um but that's the way we operate. We're like, you know, like, well, I, I don't really want to know because if I know what God really wants me to do, then I'm accountable to it. Like if I'm vague about it, if I'm vague about where he wants me to go and how he wants me to act and what he wants me to do, then I can be like, well, God, I, I didn't know. Verse 25, it says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. First person that Jesus clearly tells, I'm the Messiah. And who is it? It's a woman, a Samaritan woman at that. And not a woman of good standing in Samaria, one that has failed over and over and over and over again. To her. Because he wanted her to know who he was. Okay, now it gets interesting. Verse 27 says, Just then the disciples came back and they marveled. <laughs> It's like back in the day, like, your ankles are exposed. <laughs> so, you know, the long dresses, and that was like, it's so far where our culture has gone, but anyway. Um, and they marveled that he was talking to a woman, <laughs> but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? They were thinking it, though. They were judging Jesus like, you, we've trusted in you. And we leave you alone by yourself. And look what you've done. 
verse 28, it says, So the woman left her jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. Okay, okay. Let's just let's think about this for a second. I come to you right now. I'm not going to do this. Don't get afraid. I come to you right now and I expose all of these things that you've done. And her, her reaction is to run and tell everybody. Woo! <laughs> this man just told me everything I've ever done. I don't, and you know what? You know what? People don't go, I don't want to go out to that. Mm-mm. 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 I don't want somebody to, I don't know if I've heard this phrase before. I don't want somebody to read my mail. But she did. She ran to town in her joy. You know why it was her joy? Because she finally had the capacity to fix what was going on in her. Because she said, well, the Messiah will settle all these things. And he just said, I'm, I'm the one. I'm here. And so now all this hope and all these things that they've been waiting for and planning for, because the Samaritans were hoping for a Messiah also, he's now here. And he, he's shared himself with me. And she runs to town and tells all the people, Verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, his disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. (laughs) So the disciples said to one another, Has someone else brought him something to eat? I love how clueless they are. Because, you know, to be completely honest, if Jesus surrounded himself with 11 clueless people, there's hope for us. Right? 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 And they spent three, with, three years with him in the person, face to face, like walking dirty roads, mile after mile, and still didn't get everything right. You know what he still did? Come on. Like Jesus is not asking you to be perfect. He doesn't even expect you to be perfect. He expects you to move in the direction towards him because he's the one that fixes the issues verse 34 it says jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work the whole reason why i'm preaching this text today is because of this line i was going to title it what's your food um confessions of someone with major food issues Like our hunger drives us. Right now in my house, there is a bucket of peanut M&M's. A bucket from Costco. I mean, I'm not talking about like one of those. I got a big bag from the gas station. I'm talking about a bucket of peanut M&M's. I know where they're at. Sometimes the cabinet door is open and I even look at them. And right now I'm choosing not to eat them. But our hunger drives us. To do things that we don't want to do. Things that we know we shouldn't do. And all I'm trying to get us to understand this morning is we need to identify like what's driving us. Like right now, you're ruining things in your life because there's a thirst or a hunger. And I know those, weirds are, those words are weird to you because you're like, I'm not doing this because I'm hungry. You are. 
you're hungry for something that God has placed in you that is only going to be satisfied by him. And look look what happens. Verse 35. And this is the work that the Father gave him to accomplish. Do you not see? Yet There is yet four months and then the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white with harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For there, <clears throat> for here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into the labor. The harvest was the mongrels coming to Jesus. And I, I don't know um, if you've seen this, but... Uh, and I, I, you know, anytime they portray in video um, Jesus's life, there's always like, well, they didn't do this right or whatever. But um, if you've not already watched The Chosen, if you can just skip to this. Oh, my gosh. Like today, I think it's the end of season two. Um, watch that episode when it has this interaction. And I don't think we understand the gravity of what Jesus was doing. And, and you see the fruit of his labor were, the, were these people that were coming to him from the woman that no one, evidently, um, they didn't hate her that much. Or maybe when, when someone says, look what Jesus has done with me, and maybe she had isolated herself from people so much so that it was more about her, and, and maybe she entered into town, and I don't know if she went door to door. I don't know if she started yelling it in the courtyard. I don't know what she did, but people came. And, and after this, if you kept reading, which I, I'm not going to go through, uh, the people actually say that we believed because of her testimony, but now hearing you, we believe because of you. And that's all Jesus is asking of you. And if you want to know what your purpose in life is, Your purpose in life was to be known and to know God. And when you know and are known by God, um, you're interested in what he wants. And let me tell you what he wants. He wants a kingdom. Let me tell you what he's going to do. He's returning to this world and is going to set things as they should. And our job, and the only job that matters, because everything else, and I'm sorry to break your heart, Everything else that you've worked for that isn't related to his kingdom doesn't matter. I'm not telling you to quit your jobs. I'm not telling you to, you know, sell all your things and whatever. I'm just telling you, we're driven by a hunger to show how good we are by what we do. That's my disease. And that's a bad disease for a pastor to have. But many of us right now, We're giving our life away to things that won't matter a hundred years from now. You know, some of us like, well, we want comfort, we want this. I think a lot of it is we want approval and affirmation, and we do that through pursuit of things that we know aren't going to satisfy us. And this is what Jesus said. She said, if you knew... You would ask, and I would give it to you. 
if, if you knew and you humbled yourself enough to say, God, I need you. Our issue right now is that we have in our life a hunger that is driving us in a direction that isn't helpful. And I don't know what this looks like. And to be completely honest, it's different in every single one of us. I wish I could say the one thing, that this is the one thing that we're all pursuing, but it's not all the same. And let let me also say this. Some of them are really good things. But that really good thing, even if it's a God thing, but something that he's not called you to, can be just as dangerous. He's calling us to step into life with him, trusting him. John 7, verse 37. He's going to quote something he just said here. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. We. You don't know how that river How that thirst is maintained, is kept, satisfied. It is life with the Holy Spirit. It's life with the one deity that God gives us to live with him. This helper that he gives us to live with us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He's given you everything you need to be successful. He's given you everything that you need to fix what's going on. It's all Him. And I think one of the biggest dangers that we see in this and through the Samaritans um, is God isn't interested, and I've said this already, He isn't interested in part of you. Because that's kind of the Samaritans. They had a piece of God's heart. Because they would do some of the things that God declared. And we see this all throughout the kings. Read one this morning. He got rid of all of Baal worship. Rounded up all the worshipers. And that's a fun story. You can read that later. Um, and got rid of him, but he still wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go the whole distance. He wouldn't get rid of it all. And, and I was going to tell you... Um, that little thing that we're ignoring will be just as dangerous to us. God wants every bit of us. Look at this in Matthew 22 through 37. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Look, there's no one, and I've said this here recently, there's no one on this planet that loves God with all their heart, soul, and mind. No one. Now, some of us do it better than others, but no one's doing it perfectly. But this is, this is 
the direction that we want to head in because this is where we're satisfied with him. So here's two questions. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. This is where we're going to leave you. So where is your thirst taking you? What well do you go to over and over again, getting the same thing, knowing that you will be back to it again? And if a God, if God today exposes something to you that you need to deal with, what are you willing to do with that? We don't have the power to fix ourselves. We don't have the power to fix all the issues that we have, but God does. And all, all God's asking us to do is just to trust him. And if we go back to this word that I've said several times now in the sermon, if we go down to this fact that God is sovereign, then we, we can trust. Uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. all things happen for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a painful verse. Because that means when something horrible happens, that God's still in it. So where's your thirst taking you? And I encourage you as we end in this last song to deal with it. I, I, I believe that um, not by me, but by the Holy Spirit, God, God rings different bells in our life. And he's like, there it is, a little buzzer in our little brains telling us, oh, here's this one thing that is just eating me up. And there's potentially even people in this room that are literally hiding things that are killing them. There's potential addiction in this room uh, that's unknown, there, there's potential, um, there's so many things that we, we think we can handle. But I, I believe today God just wants to go, I don't think he can. But I can help you. I can help get you out of that. Because he said, and if he offered it, to her, he would offer it to us. If you had only ask, I'd give it. And so today, you can only acknowledge, like, this is where I'm not pursuing you. This is where this thirst is taking me that's not you. And I, I, I need to do something with it. And the only other thing that you can do is say, God, I need what you have. And I believe uh, that God wants to do something this morning. I feel... I, I feel um, that there's breakthrough that's available for anybody who wants it. And so I want to I I pray as we go in. Um, we always close with a song, and, that, and I say this a lot. It's not because we can, so we can keep you here five more minutes. I believe that the best time for us to respond to what God's doing in us is right now. And so I'm going to pray here in just a second, and I'm going to be quiet. And music is going to happen. You're welcome to join in and sing, but you're also welcome to sit there, kneel, have a moment with God.
Because these are the moments that we get to go, God, I, I want to listen to you. I, I, I want to be yours. And if we've seen nothing else through what we've seen in this text, is he's willing to go out of his way to, the, to those that don't deserve it. And absolutely every single one of us don't deserve what Jesus offers, but he still offers it. Like he will go out of his way to show you. And I think sometimes we're like, well, why didn't he do this or why did he do that? If he's sovereign, what if what he's doing right now is the best thing for you? What if right now that pain that you're feeling because of all these things that have happened in your life, he's just saying, hey, child, choose me. God, hard hearts are a hard place for you. But Ezekiel told us that you you would reach in and take those hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh so that we could obey you. So Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Lord, I, I pray that right now that 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 you would illuminate where our thirst has taken us. Lord, I pray that this, our deception that we deceive ourselves with, thinking, no, 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 it's all right, it's all right, this isn't, this, 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 and, and making excuses and making reasons. Lord, I pray that you would burn through all of that right now. And that we with clarity in this moment would know this is not the thing that you've called me to. Lord, I pray that we would hear your words in a soft, loving, accepting voice. If you knew who it was, you would ask and he would give. Lord, let us believe this moment that regardless of our past, that you have a future for us that's so much better. Lord, a future that isn't ruled by desires and the flesh and and, and things that are going to lead us to more broken relationships, more hurt people. But Lord, you would bring life to dead places this morning. So Lord, as we take a few minutes at the end of this service to just worship... Or do in us what we can't do. Lord, help us begin to journey with you. Help us begin to trust you. Help us begin to live like you are the Messiah. Christ. Lord, that we wouldn't identify as Christians, but that we would just choose to be followers of the Messiah. breakthrough today in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.